0: Welcome to Everything Yesterday This Morning, a 15-20 to minute daily recap of headlines you may have missed. Come for the news, stay for the snarky commentary. Good morning and welcome to Thursday's edition of Everything Yesterday This Morning. I'm your host, Literally Heather. Uh, Biden issued a stark warning Wednesday about threats to American democracy, using a primetime speech to urge voters to reject ultra-MAGA Republicans who undermine faith in the voting process. You know what undermines my faith in the voting process? When I log on to social media to socially interact with people, I get about 30 warnings that Although entire countries can count their votes in one night, in my entire lifetime, until 2020, elections have been announced on election night, but now I'm told that it could take weeks for the process to be complete. This is 2022. Paul Revere is not carrying ballots on horseback across the country. The president, who has sought to paint Republicans as an extremist party, loyal to former President Trump's Make America Great Again, or MAGA, movement, blamed his predecessor for a continued assault on democracy that Biden said has given rise to political violence because that's so bad, right? We shouldn't want to make our country great. This is the United States of Ukraine. I have no loyalties to any politician, but I'll tell you unabashedly that I have extreme loyalty to this country and my children. Making this country a great country in whatever way I can is absolutely a priority. And no matter how many labels you slap on me, I will continue to do so. American democracy is under attack because the defeated former president of the United States refuses to accept the results of the 2020 election, Biden said. Make no mistake, democracy is on the ballot for all of us. Democracy. A challenge every single one of my listeners to go back to the founding documents of this nation and find where democracy is mentioned and what it says about it. We aren't a democracy. We were never a democracy, and God willing, we will never be a democracy. We are a constitutional republic. I know they don't like mentioning the Constitution since they violate it so consistently, but In his speech, Biden repeated warnings he has issued in recent months arguing that a GOP victory on November 8th would endanger American democracy. I wish that I had like done where I calculate how many times democracy is mentioned in this article. As I stand here today, there are candidates running for every level of office in America who won't commit to accepting the results of the election they're in. That is the path to chaos in America. It's unprecedented. It's unlawful, he added. Unlawful. Um, The First Amendment explicitly says it protects freedom of speech, the press, assembly, and the right to petition the government for a redress of grievances. Many of us have grievances with the circumvention of election laws that resulted in the most cognitively diminished fool in politics to rise to the highest level of government. And there's nothing unlawful about that. Biden delivered Wednesday's remarks at the Columbus Club at Union Station in Washington, near the site of the attack on the U.S. Capitol nearly two years ago. His choice of venue was intended to remind viewers of the threat of political violence. The problem is that you can try to remind us as much as you want, but real political violence is what took place during the George Floyd riots what happened in Sri Lanka, what is currently happening in Brazil right now, what is happening in Iran. That's political violence. The goal is to distract from horrendous levels of inflation because of unfettered money printing from the Federal Reserve, ridiculous gas prices even though we could be completely energy independent if we wanted to, diminished 401ks, destroyed markets, and extremely high levels of crime with DAs who do not hold anyone accountable for their actions. The president implored voters to remember there are bigger concerns than high gas prices and inflation on the ballot in Tuesday's election. Quote, I appeal to all Americans, regardless of party, to meet this moment of national and generational importance. We must vote knowing what's at stake And not just on the policy of the moment. Oh, we will, Joe. We know exactly what's at stake and we will vote accordingly. Uh, The Federal Reserve ordered another big boost in interest rates on Wednesday and warned that rates will have to go even higher to bring stubbornly high inflation under control. The central bank raised its benchmark interest rate by three quarters of a percentage point. The rate, which was near zero in March, has jumped 3.75 percentage points in just the last eight months. That's the most aggressive string of rate hikes in decades. But so far, it has done little to curb inflation. Annual inflation in September was 6.2 percent, according to the Fed's preferred yardstick, unchanged from the month before. The better-known CPI, or consumer price index, shows prices rising even faster at an annual rate of 8.2%. If you've been following my inflation experiment on Twitter, you'll know that it's substantially higher than 8.2% on things like food. Federal Chairman Jerome Powell warned that taming such severe inflation will likely require even higher interest rates than he and his colleagues had predicted just two months ago. Y'all ever notice these predictions are never very accurate? It makes you wonder why this teeny tiny finite group of individuals gets to make so many decisions for the entire country, and I would even argue the world. Now that it's affecting their electability, some politicians are starting to ask the same questions, with polls showing inflation is a top concern among voters. The Biden administration and most members of Congress have stayed out of the Federal Reserve's way as it tries to control prices, but a handful of Democrats have begun to challenge the central bank's approach, warning that aggressive rate hikes could put millions of people out of work, and that would be really bad going into the 2024 election. We are deeply concerned that your interest rate hikes risk slowing the economy to a crawl while failing to slow rising prices that continue to harm families, said Senator Warren. In a letter sent to Federal Chairman Jerome Powell on Monday, the housing market has already slowed to a crawl as mortgage rates topped 7% for the first time in two decades. Despite the fallout from rising interest rates, Powell said the central bank has a responsibility to bring inflation under control. Well, you created the problem. No one knows whether there's going to be a recession or not. Yeah, we do. And if so, how bad that recession will be. Our job is to restore price stability so that we can have a strong labor market that benefits all over time. Y'all know that I could spend the rest of this episode talking about the Federal Reserve and my feelings about it, but I won't because I got more to talk about. Um, But the hubris, man, God. Uh, Biden's official White House Twitter account deleted a tweet after it was fact-checked through Twitter's new crowdsource fact-checking feature. This is at least the third time that a Biden administration Twitter account has been fact-checked since Elon Musk took control of the platform. And it is glorious. On Tuesday, the White House tweeted, Seniors are getting the biggest increase in their Social Security checks in 10 years through President Biden's leadership. Using Twitter's new crowdsourced fact-checking mechanism, dubbed Birdwatch, users then added context to the White House's tweet. According to Twitter, the context is written by people who use Twitter and appears when rated helpful by others. The added context note stated, seniors will receive a large Social Security benefit increase due to the annual cost of living adjustment, which is based on the inflation rate. President Nixon in 1972 signed into law automatic benefit adjustments tied to the CPI. During a press conference on Wednesday, White House Press Secretary uh, Jean-Pierre claimed that the White House deleted the tweet because it was, quote, incomplete. Look, The tweet was not complete. Usually when we put out a tweet, we post it with context, and it did not have that context. In the past, we've pointed out that for the first time in over a decade, seniors' Medicare premiums will decrease even as their Social Security checks increase. That's a little bit of context that was not included, Jean-Pierre said. This means that seniors will have a chance to get ahead of inflation due to the rare combination of rising benefits and falling premiums. So you were providing malinformation? Am I doing this right? Information intentionally misleading without context? I hear that you'll get on a DHS watch list, so you better mind your P's and Q's for that one. Jean-Pierre went on to say, these are direct quotes, okay? And let's not forget, you've been hearing me say for the past few minutes about MAGA Republicans in Congress and their continued threat, uh, threatened Social Security and Medicare proposing, uh, proposing them on the chop, proposing to put them on the chopping blocks. Every five years, threatening benefits to change and to change uh, eligibility, she added. So those are the types of context that would normally be with a tweet like that. It did not have that context. It was an incomplete tweet, as I just mentioned, and so that's why you saw the digital team take that action. Can you imagine? Whew. Over the weekend, President Joe Biden posted two other tweets that were fact-checked on Twitter. One tweet he posted on Saturday, Biden claimed the Inflation Reduction Act is, quote, capping the cost of insulin at $35 a month. Twitter users then added context to the tweet, writing, While the Inflation Reduction Act capped insulin costs at $35 for individuals on Medicare, it did not cap costs for seniors on private insurance or anyone under the age of 65. Out of the 8.4 million Americans who take insulin, Only $3.3 are actually covered by Medicare. In another tweet posted on Friday, Biden wrote, Let me give you the facts. In 2020, 55 corporations made $40 billion, and they paid zero in federal taxes. My Inflation Reduction Act puts an end to this. Twitter's subsequent added context note stated, The Inflation Reduction Act imposed a minimum tax on corporations, with average pre-tax earnings greater than $1 billion. Out of the 55 corporations the tweet references, only 14 had earnings greater than $1 billion and would be eligible under Biden's tax law. (laughs) Accountability is a hell of a thing, and I'm here for it. United States and Saudi Arabia have shared intelligence with each other that indicates that Iran may be planning an imminent attack on energy infrastructure in the Middle East, particularly in Saudi Arabia a saudi official told cnn that saudi arabia shared intelligence of a possible attack with the us but the source did not give any specifics a second us official said that a us f22 fighter jet is all, or fighter jets are already in saudi arabia and are available to counter any a- attacks or threats we won't hesitate to act in defense of our interests and our partners in the region He said that he was not aware of any public warnings issued through the embassy about a threat and confirmed that the State Department is required to inform citizens if we do have information that is precise, that is credible, that could potentially pose a threat to the American citizen community. The U.S. believes Iran may be trying to focus attention on Saudi Arabia, which Iran accuses of helping fuel protests. That's Rich. It couldn't possibly be because Khamenei and the mullahs have made their own beds by beating and killing their own citizens, lying about it, and their people have had enough of it. Iran is Saudi Arabia's chief regional rival, and Riyadh served official, diplomat- severed, I'm sorry, official diplomatic relations with Tehran in 2016 after Iranian protesters stormed the Saudi embassy in Tehran in response to Saudi Arabia's execution of a Shiite cleric. Iran-backed Houthi rebels have also attacked oil facilities in Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates in recent years, raising concerns that energy infrastructure could be a target for any Iranian provocations in the region. The really rich part of this is that the U.S. is about to release a shit ton of money out of South Korea, $7 billion to be exact, to give to Iran in an effort to finalize the Iran nuclear deal, and that money will obviously not go to its people it will go to the Houthis, Hezbollah, etc. Iran's government is the largest benefactor to terror in the Middle East, and we are complicit, but we are now in a position to need to help Saudi Arabia to protect our own interests. It's, our foreign policy in the Middle East is ridiculous. In another huge win for the globalist agenda, North Korea fired at least 23 missiles into the sea on Wednesday, including one that landed less than 60 kilometers off South Korea's coast, which South Korean President Yoon Suk-yeol described as territorial encroachment, and Washington denounced it as reckless. It was the first time that a ballistic missile has landed near the South's waters since the peninsula was divided in 1945, which is winning all over the place here. It is also the most missiles fired by the North in a single day, South Korea issued rare air raid warnings and launched its own missiles in response. The launches come just after Pyongyang demanded that the United States and South Korea stop their large-scale military exercises, saying such military rashness and provocation can no longer be tolerated. In Washington, White House National Secretary Spokesperson John Kirby called the North Korean launches reckless and said that the United States would make sure it had the military capabilities in place to defend its treaty allies, South Korea and Japan. The missile landed outside South Korea's territorial waters, but south of the Northern Limit Line, a disputed inter-Korean maritime border. North Korea has continuously been launching missiles over the past year in violation of multiple UN Security Council resolutions, The U.S. ambassador to the United Nations, Linda Thomas Greenfield, said it's unprecedented in the sense that there were so many. Kirby told his news briefing that the United States has information that indicates North Korea is covertly supplying Russia with a significant number of artillery shells for its war in Ukraine, and that Washington would consult with the United Nations on accountability issues over the shipments. Kirby said North Korea was attempting to obscure the shipments by funneling them through countries in the Middle East and North Africa. North Korea said in September it has never supplied weapons or ammunition to Russia and has no plans to do so. It's amazing that we can say, North Korea, you cannot supply weapons to Russia. Meanwhile, we literally have troops on the ground in Ukraine to facilitate the transfer of weapons from the United States to Ukraine. <laughs> uh, Ending the episode on a funny note, Florida man move over Alabama man has entered the chat. An Alabama man pretending to be a student at Stanford University was found to have been living in campus dormitories for, excuse me, for nearly 10 months, according to university officials. William Curry from Birmingham was removed from campus on Thursday after a resident assistant for Crothers Hall found the man living in the basement of the dorm. Resident assistants at Crothers Hall told the newspaper that Curry posed as a sophomore studying pre-med and falsely claiming he was recruited to the Stanford men's track and field team in 2020. Stanford spokesperson D. Mustafi told the San Francisco Chronicle that Curry was reportedly on campus several times since December of 2021, despite receiving multiple stay-away letters. However, campus officials said they were unable to locate him until Thursday after he was accused of stealing a TV from the dorm's basement. University administrators and campus police knew about Curry for months and removed him from various campus buildings at least four different times. He was previously accused of breaking into several campus dorm rooms and harassing multiple students. And at one point, he allegedly told campus police that he was homeless and trying to escape the rain. Students living at the dorm where Curry was caught said he's been living in the building since the second week of the fall semester and was let in regularly by sympathetic resident assistants. According to the newspaper, dorm RAs frequently requested but were denied access to rosters of residents who lived in the basement rooms where Curry was found living. On several occasions, we've asked for a roster of residents living in the basement and have been told that the request couldn't be accommodated because it would be a violation of student privacy. Without such a roster, we ultimately can't verify who should and shouldn't be in the dorm. This is a policy we've pushed back against and will continue to push back against. In a statement, Stanford officials said that although the university has protocols and policies in place to prevent non-students from entering and living in student housing, the unique aspects of Mr. Curry's persistence and ability to integrate himself with our student community has made it clear that gaps exist in those protocols. It is not lost on me that the people who are always talking about inclusion and community and collectivism. Don't want the weird homeless man living in the basement of their dorm. Anyway, that is your Thursday edition of everything yesterday this morning. I love you guys. I hope you have a great day and I will see you tomorrow. If you like today's show, be sure to subscribe and turn on notifications so you never miss an episode. Also, please don't forget to check out ShouseInTheHouse.com and never forget that free men do not need permission from any government. Have a great day.